You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 26 with Chelsea Lee Trescott. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Hey there, and welcome back to Heart Food Podcast. Great episode today with my friend, Chelsea Lee Trescott. Chelsea is a breakup coach, and I'm so fascinated and intrigued by what she does, and I think it's so necessary nowadays. And also, uh, Chelsea has an amazing story. She has overcome eating disorder eating disorders, uh, depression, and she has transformed her struggles into her career, which you guys know I'm always a big fan of and something I really admire in other people. Chelsea has so much wisdom when it comes to reframing and really being resilient with our own breakups. I know that when I was going through one of the many breakups that I went through, I just really thought that my world ended. I really like went through so much pain and really because I, looking back, always in retrospect, things are easier. Looking back, I really see that I caused a lot of that pain by having a victim mentality, by really believing that things would not get better, that people broke up with me because there was something wrong with me. I always place that blame right back onto myself. And there's really a lot of overarching themes in this episode that have to do with food and also just having a better relationship with yourself, which will translate to a better relationship with food. Everything comes down to having a better relationship with yourself and having a high level of self-love and being willing to do the self-care necessary in order to reach that and live that every day. You guys know I always say that our food stuff is never really about food and you could have stuff with love, with love addiction, with shopping, with gambling, with sex, whatever it is, it's just the vehicle in which we act out our pain and our deepest fears and our deepest issues. So that is why I wanted to have Chelsea on because there's so many amazing themes that we talk about on how to have a better relationship with yourself, how to reframe your struggles and how to be resilient and take all of our breakups and our hardships in our lives as opportunities for growth. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Be sure to reach out to Chelsea if you want to work with her as a breakup coach. And that's that's it. <laughs> Let's get right into the show. 
Trained and certified in solution-focused life coaching, Chelsea Lee Trescott is a breakup coach, advice columnist, author, and host of the podcast, Thank You Heartbreak. She's also the founder of Break Upward, a movement encouraging men and women to use heartbreak and setbacks as an opportunity to launch themselves to a greater level. To learn more about her podcast and her, and connect with her on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak and visit her coaching website at breakupward.com. Thank you so much for being here today with me, Chelsea. Oh, yeah. I love So you and I actually met in elementary school, which is really awesome. We both grew up here in Miami, and um, I think that it's so awesome what you're doing right now, and you have such a great story and something that, you know, a story that I really admire in others kind of coming from difficulty and using that as growth to catapult you to do what you do today, which is a mirrored, you know, story of my own story as well. So I'd love for you to tell us, you know, your story and how that got you to be where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. God, where do I start? I, I feel like I could actually start in elementary school. I feel like the fifth grade, I used to say it was like the best, uh, the best, yeah time of my life or the best version of myself and I think that I idealized a lot who I was at 10 at mm. St. Thomas mm-hmm. and which is just you know almost one part pathetic one part hysterical <laughs> um but you know like I had a buzz cut I yes, felt very did. yeah I was just I was just driven by this there was no self-consciousness really and there was a sense of being totally fearless and I think that for a long time I forgot you know that kind of as you come of age you develop you know being more self-conscious but at that's you know looking back I always felt like I need to get that back I need to become that person again Mm. and a big thing was that at that time you know I got scouted to be a model for like Ralph Lauren and it was, there was just this element of something that I felt like was kind of unattainable by law. It was very easy for me and I ended up gaining like 10 pounds or 15 pounds, I mean, in a month. Mm. Um, My skin got bad, bad. I went on birth control and I gained 15 pounds in a month and it was such a traumatic experience because I didn't, I didn't witness it happening really. It was people's reactions to it and Mm. it was the first time that kind of made me feel in a way like, which, which is good now I realize, Mm -hmm. but it made me feel kind of like everyone else, you know, something that I felt like I was totally immune to that would never be my problem. I now realized I like a lot of people, but at that time, like that wasn't enough for me to like latch onto. And as a result, I ended up always looking back at that period of my life, starting at 10, wanting to get back to that person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, part of my story is internally having this every, I used to say like every other minute for seven years, truly like thinking about myself and my weight and how it was like limiting me. And it was just always on my mind. And, mm-hmm. you know, no one really no one knew that. I mean, I look back on journals that I had online and and it was very, it was very, um, evident to me that this would, an eating disorder would ultimately happen. Mm -hmm. But other people, you know, it's like, it's the craziest thing about, about eating disorders is that they're not scared by you if they never hear your thoughts, but if they see something that terrifies them, then suddenly you're a problem. And I remember thinking, 
once, you know, I had an eating disorder that like, you guys, for seven years, I felt this way about myself. Yeah. So I, I don't know. One part of, I guess, part of the story is that ultimately what really saved me from, you know, the year when I had this eating disorder and when I moved back to New York or to New York City and I was, you know, 83 pounds is that writing really, really saved me because I felt like I had to focus on something that I had to be mentally like awake for. Yes. And when you're starving, you know, you don't really need anything mm-hmm. and you're out of your mind. So, um, that originally really saved me. And then I went and got a master's in writing. And, um, but at the same time, I always had these long distance boyfriends starting with my first year in college. And when I had the eating disorder and I realized, you know, in retrospect that I think that I always had these long distance boyfriends when I would move to different cities, which happened six times because I felt like, um, I would have more self-respect if, that when I when the eating disorder had happened, I it was the first time that I was single, and I felt like well maybe I would have more would have had more self respect had I been with someone. Maybe they would have protected me from myself. Yeah. So for all those years, I had these romances, these long distance relationships where I thought it would help me when I got to a new city, and instead I just suspended put my life like on pause until they came and visited me and I I never lived in the cities I isolated myself and ultimately it ended up being worse than the eating disorder because I didn't speak and I guess fast forward I mean I I got into that clinical psychology program I moved back to New York it was the first time I was single I made a vow to myself that I would this would be the first time like the seventh move but this time I would not get into a relationship Mm -hmm. and as a result, like learn how to go out into the world and speak again. And a year later, after you know my first year of the clinical psychology program, I I got out of it and I just started doing coaching full time. And I knew that what I needed so badly before, because what had happened was in a relationship prior, the last relationship I had been in, I ended up like doing a. Um, my thesis, you know, I was reading my thesis about overcoming my eating disorder and I found out that I was a hundred pounds. The mm. next day I went to psych, uh, a psychiatrist finally because I was so depressed and he was like, you're anorexic, I can't help you. And it was so humiliating to me to think that like, here I had been on a stage talking about this and yeah, I wasn't 80 pounds, but I didn't look any, you know, much better. Mm-hmm. And And I realized that like, had I had someone like myself back then that would like hold my hand out of it and show me that it was, that there had been a real like lesson to the love, I would have let go so much long ago and I wouldn't have really found myself in a very similar position as I had my first year of college. Yeah. And, you know, it sounds like with two of these things, both of the eat, both the eating disorder and then the love that we sort of, you know, use something, whether it's like being obsessed with food or our bodies or our weight or with somebody else, you know, and that possibility and potential of love to kind of distract us from what's going on in, you know, everything else kind of becomes muted in our lives. Yeah. I mean, I think that, 
Well, one, I mean, the eating disorder initially was definitely to distract me from feeling like I had, I was making no friendships in college. Mm. I was super depressed that I was living in Boston, that I hadn't gotten into NYU. My twin sister was here. I was always shuttling myself to New York, and it was a way of just distracting me from where I had really ended up, and that it wasn't the dream that I had, you know, uh, envisioned for myself. Mm. And then on top of that, like, the relationships for sure I mean just the relationships I chose and to be with for a while to be with such quiet men mm. I think it was a way of of distracting me from sabotaging each time I got into a new dream like an opportunity to pursue this new dream whether it was in New York or California and then like my masters it was something that I've been working for for a long time so instead of like really I say a lot of times we'll choose people to become obsessed with kind of propping them up or, or solving their issues or helping them become yes. more open in order to shut down the conversation we need to have with ourselves. And absolutely. I was so good at that. I was so good at it. So, yes. And, and, and we kind of like idolize the people too. You know, we idolize them and we put them on this pedestal. And that's something that I've definitely gone through. Um, but I think what you do is so interesting because breakups and hardships in love are something that can really shape us and really be an opportunity for huge amounts of growth because like nothing sucks more than you know going through something like that it hurts so much but if you really stay with that pain on the other side of it you can really see you know, you can kind of transform yourself. It's an opportunity to become somebody else if that's what you are open to. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was kind of the, not kind of, but definitely the motivation behind, you know, my business's name, Break Upward. Mm. And even like the podcast name, Thank You Heartbreak, is that I see it really as an opportunity to, a lot of people want to like eradicate what they went through or erase what they went through and I feel like they end up with back at like zero you know yes. they end up with nothing and for me you know I think it's like also the writer in me that is searching for meaning so I look back on something and see so much meaning in it and um and so like using breakups as a way of being the groundwork that launches you to not the same level, like not to be on the same place that you were and just reach for the next thing that's closest to you, but really to launch you to like rise up into um, to greater loves and greater wisdom and, you know, just a greater, a greater self-awareness and understanding and realism really about who you are and um, what you, what you need next. Yes. And something that I see in relationships too, is that we let's say we are just starting out in dating people and we've had a certain history maybe we've grown up and we've had traumatic experiences we've been told that we are not worthy so we believe that we have a certain level of worthiness and i feel like that gets translated into the types of relationships that we will choose and that we believe that we deserve so can you talk about how we can sort of increase our level of worthiness and believe that we are worthy so we can attract that, you know, the type of relationship that we deserve. And I'm curious if like you see that pattern with your clients as well. That's a good question. I mean, it was something that I hated when I was younger, like 
what is the line like uh um, water seeks seeks its own level yes yep and i was like oh god that's true you know because ultimately if a relationship ends you kind of want to you know you kind of want to look less you know at them in a lesser way and yet you chose them because you were in very similar spot for very similar things obviously there's an attraction there and there's a responsibility that needs to be had that you you guys met each other in a place and therefore you must have reflected something back to him or you know mm-hmm. but in terms of like this I think it's really about I mean of course people come to me and they feel so unworthy and they feel so skeptical about love and I think that really ends up happening when you're so totally obsessed with someone else's reasons for leaving you or why yes. it happened and you end up putting like the story so much on them and I think that as great as as we all want to have the answers to everyone else I don't think that all those answers really help us with anyone else in the future and I think that the only thing that will make us more confident going for for beyond love even just like loving ourselves is really answering our own question about it you know like so um I mean, every question that we have about someone else can be flipped toward ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think worthiness comes from one, like forgiving yourself for, um, for maybe even staying, you know, staying in something as long as you did or having an intuition, but having this desire to make it right. I see a lot of the times is it's a desire to return to the beginning of the relationship where, you know, love was possible and you felt all this adrenaline potential. And that's like an innocent thing to want the most out of love. So I think it's forgiving that. And I think it's being really brutally just honest with yourself, even if it feels shameful about what, you know, what you thought the love in the beginning was in a way going to save you from. And I think when you can kind of answer that question, you understand more of, you know, I don't like the word hope, but like what you're hoping out of it and why you're on that like trajectory and really instead what lesson came out of it i think that if you know that that your time wasn't wasted and you know that it's not wasted if you are able to look at things you know deeply and on and and be impatiently and i think yes. if you can see that there's and you can walk away with like wisdom that's where the worth comes from because then you have something to hand over to someone else and this relationship you're in For sure. And looking back at my own relationships, I was in like starting out, I started out with like verbally abusive relationships, relationships with people who were addicted to drugs and just thinking that that was the best that I could get. I'm like, well, I don't deserve any better than this. This is like, I was given crumbs and think and, and really thought that I could not get any better. And like you're saying, I could flip that all on myself. And I didn't believe that I was worthy enough to deserve a beautiful and loving relationship. But to get to that place really took a lot of work on my part to, and being alone too, to, um, you know, to grow. So I'm wondering how, you know, I know a lot of people that are, um, you know, single out there. And sometimes there is this level that I have felt myself like this level of desperation that can come too, and that can contribute as well to like, well, I'll just take whatever I can get, even if it's not what I want, 
you know, I might settle just because it's better than being alone. So what is the value in being patient and kind of trusting your life and trusting your path that that person who you deserve and that deserves you will come along in the future? Well, one, I think the fear, you know, the fear of breaking up is the fear of being single, which is the fear of being alone. So that's absolutely correct. I also think just like off of what you said is, you know, just looking at what you've been giving and and thinking that's all you can get. You know, it's the saddest thing that I come across. And I think sometimes people are so desperate kind of relationships that haven't worked for them to prove that they can actually work. So for myself, it's been a journey with my own worthiness. And I find that people sort of um, get down on themselves because they're alone. And because of that, they might lack patience. They might go towards like some sort of desperation and again, settle. So why is it so important for people to, you know, accept where they are in their journey and know that like that period of aloneness could offer a period of growth to then become and call in that relationship that they know they deserve. You know, I think that the the only way you get the relationship that you deserve is is by being alone with yourself and seeing what you have, you know, f- for yourself alone. And you know, you really need clarity. I was so afraid of being alone even though I lived alone for like, you know, the decade of my 20s. Um, even before then, every time that you know I moved into a new apartment, moved into any new city, I was alone. I felt like I had no, I, I was never good at it. And I was always in these long distance relationships where I could have like this form of independence, but I didn't feel like I was alone. And um, I think as a result, I, I got, I was so desperate and clinging to make something right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you feel like you don't have to, that you could, I feel like freedom is the ability to like walk by any place, let's say, and go in by yourself. Freedom is the ability to like arrive in life by yourself and not have to wait for anyone to, to kind of push you through the world. Absolutely. And I feel like if you don't have a sense of, of just comfort within your own realm by yourself, you always just choose whatever is there, whatever, or or someone that seems really right in the beginning, but that you then have information just on a gut level that they aren't right for you any longer. You'll sabotage that own intuition that this thing needs to, that you need to kind of, life is trying to rush you, not rush you, but move you into the next thing. Keep on this fear of discovering whether you like yourself on your own. And so I think that the only way that you can really like kind of move on life's terms, how it wanted like to be really be led is to be comfortable being able to let go of the things that no longer work for you and the people that want to that the people that want to leave you to not chase them. If you're afraid of being alone, then you'll always try to kind of put your nails down into people and to force them to stay and to force yourself. And it's just that's codependency. It's not it's not ultimately any form. It's not love that you can ultimately feel even proud of. So what can people do to get more comfortable in their skin to really feel that freedom? Because I feel like relationships at least like really meaningful relationships come in when we are not looking for them 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's the what we all hear is that you're not looking for them. You don't need them. You're just you're finally comfortable within your own self. I think that's what we're all trying to attain. And I mean, the biggest thing I weigh is that you just have to be like forgiving of yourself. I mean, it's not the greatest advice because people don't want to be patient. But I know that for myself, when I moved back to New York City, that I was really terrible about uh, speaking to people. It wasn't here I was awkward it didn't even feel like me but when I moved back I made this vow to be single and to finally how to go out into the world speak again and I felt like if I could be in conversation with other people I wouldn't be so desperate to be in conversation with any person in a relationship Mm. and that I could be more choosy and not choosy in terms of like people have to meet these standards of mine just choosing the sense of like what made sense for me, what really makes sense for me with where I am in my life right now. What will be an action? I think sometimes, for example, people choose people that are really outside of this world that they even exist with. They go to different neighborhoods to meet a certain type of man. Mm. I think that you need to build yourself to be a person that looks like you naturally fit within an environment. So I think that it it could be exciting if you said, hey, this is the type of person I want to be with. This is how I want to be in a relationship. And in order to do that, I can't, you know, find the perfect match on an app. It's like I have to become the person, create like a vision and build yourself into that vision, which is actually really exciting. And then you'll know that you'll be like released into this. You'll you'll become a person that is around those people that kind of belongs in the world where, where you're trying to find the person. And I think that's the only way it really works, because if you're not that person and you're just trying so desperately just to jump into being that, you'll always have someone on a pedestal. And it will never be balanced. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll always feel like you're about to lose something. Yes. And, and that you're, I mean, I hate the word, but that you're undeserving of it. Exactly. And also that you will, um, it won't be natural. It won't flow. And I think like somewhere down the line, right. that is, go- is going to come up that you're going to be like, oh shit, this is not me. Like, who is this person who I have? Uh, chosen, I haven't fit in with them. But again, it goes back to that thing where we're more comfortable being in something that doesn't work as opposed and but having like some sort of security, as opposed to being uncertain about life and and ourselves and our relationships. Yeah, and I think that there's also like, you know, there's a level of there's such a level of innocence, like, I mean, you know, for example, I think I saw a little bit of it with my ex that I just broke up with is that, you know, we came from really two different worlds. And at first I remember feeling like, I mean, I've had all these sort of absolutes in life and love. This totally goes counter to that. But I felt like that this was a place where I had to know whether those absolutes were, were they just handed down to me? Or, you know, was love enough? All those questions. And I think ultimately what I saw happen throughout the relationship is that there was, he felt like inadequate. Mm. He felt like he couldn't live up. He felt like a timer was going down, that he had to make it to a certain level in order to keep me. And the thing is being receptive to that, knowing that and also knowing for myself when I felt very in at any second that crushes another human being and yes. I know that he was unhappy before me on his own but I'm literally literally witnessing someone become 
more and more unhappy about their own life. And for me to be in love with someone, you know, in the beginning, they feel like there's all this potential. But if I start to witness them, feel like that they are not proud of the, their own life that they have because they're suddenly privy and welcome to my world, that's not a good match. That's not a good thing I'm offering someone. Mm. It means that they feel like, you know, I don't think that someone should end up feeling ever feeling inadequate in a relationship and that doesn't always come because someone's being cruel to someone it comes because it's sincerely just a myth a mismatch that people are trying too hard to make two worlds collide you know to to melt when they're just colliding and it's it's supposed to be i mean I think that's kind of the idea of a soulmate. Is a soulmate is there to teach you something, you know, a lesson. They're they're trying to expose you to it yourself, but they're not meant to last forever. You know, to take you to the end. So Yeah. Yeah, and that's such a good point because stuff like I feel like we think let's say we've been single for a long time and this is something that i think happens in all sorts of things like finding the perfect job or moving to a new city or getting this car that we want or getting the perfect boyfriend um we think that things will be perfect and we will automatically be fixed once we get that thing and that's sort of like future tripping and idealizing a future that has not happened yet. But sometimes, especially in relationships, we see that when we get into them, that it is actually can be very difficult. And that doesn't mean that it's bad, but it's just, you know, I think when we're with people, they're with their mirrors to us and there can be certain triggers. And even in my own relationship right now, we have gone through things that have been difficult, but things that we needed to kind of like sort out and get out so that we could come together and be one. So I'm just curious what you think about um, all of that kind of loaded, but um, I think it's really interesting how we sort of think that we'll be okay once we get this certain thing. And it's really then that the real work begins. I mean, Listen, I mean, that is just a theme over so many elements of my life. I mean, my eating disorder was this idea that if I became the weight that I used to be when I wasn't self-conscious, that I would suddenly not be self-conscious anymore. Yes. Um, when I got my master's, I thought that, like, once I finally have my master's, I'll be a certain writer that can write automatically and not judge herself, that I, I'll just be perfect. I won't have perfectionism. Mm. And I got my master's, and I was crippled all the way toward it I was like literally crawling my way toward the like you know toward them handing out the degree yep uh and in relationships too I mean I just it, I don't believe that it ever happens and you know I think that everything is a process of you know um wanting just to to create to turn yourself into that person that it's not, it just is not about the destination and relationships. Um, they just, they don't cure you, you know, you cure you. Yes. Other people, other people don't. And I think that I don't think I remember my sister when we were a lot younger, she used to always think that she had to become perfect before she entered a relationship. Yes. And I was like, no, you're, you're in your, you're in relationships to quote unquote, perfect yourself to to become yourself and I do think that the best relationship should be that way it should be 
that, you know, to people, people are really resistant to like feeling like they're being changed in a relationship. Mm. I feel like if you traded out the word like growth for change, people would be much, they would embrace it much more. So it sounds like your relationship and you're engaged. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. Is an understanding that there was, yeah, that's so exciting. That's just incredible. But that there's like growth involved. And I think that especially if you're growth oriented, that you have to end up being with someone that um, that has that same sort of desire because it means that like not every time there's a crossroad is it is a, an issue of whether this relationship is on or over. It just is a, a realize like a realization that you're propelling yourself into the next realm of the relationship in your life. Absolutely. And something that you said there that I find really interesting too, and something that I was actually going to ask you is this notion that we need to be fully healed or that we need to like, you know, be alone for a certain amount of time so we can learn certain lessons so that, you know, when this person comes in, we'll be ready. So what do you think of all of that? Do we need to be ready in order to um, have that person come in or can we still um, have things that we need to look at within ourselves? I mean, I think that we're never, you know, I don't think that we're ever ready, whether it's ready to break up or ready to have a child. You know, there's always, we're always going to be desperate for more time, like more time to prepare, prepare ourselves more. But do I think that like there are certain things, there are certain understandings that you can come in about yourself alone? over time that will make your choices kind of more accurate and more realistic yes but ultimately you come you come against there's that tension there's the need to understand there's the need to know from and you have to enter those too I think that like again I think it's a fantasy to think that like we're ever completely healed yes we say that would be the case but like you know, they say about people that have, you know, that get a certain amount of wealth. They just want more wealth. You exactly. Know what I'm like, and I think that, like, um, yeah, I think the idea was always I would get something, I'd, I'd attain something, and then the hunt would be over. I'd be able to relax into everything and just, you know, I'd be done. But who, but when it comes to growth, I, I truly could never imagine wanting to be done. I, I really couldn't. I mean, that would actually seem that would seem pretty horrific if I stopped growing at 30 years old. And mm. I thought, you know, I've got it now. I think every moment should be like an awakening. Everything kind of, you should be try to be in awe of everything that you come across in life. Talk to the people that are in front of you and have them kind of deepen your understanding of things. So I think that 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 should be something that whether you're prepared for it or ready for it, just remain open to it Mm. is really the biggest thing. Yes. And I think being open to, um, to yourself changing and yourself growing is a big thing too, because I have also fallen into that, like literally being on the stage, getting the diploma for my master's and thinking for a year and a half, like, Oh, that's going to be the thing that like is finally going to make me feel okay literally feeling it in my hand and looking at my parents and my sister in the audience and them yeah. being like, Oh my God. And me being like, wait, I'm still like, I still feel messed up. You no, know? I mean, I was my worst when I got that diploma and, and it's horrible. Like thinking about it because 
for for years I thought that that moment would I be know. this relief yes. and honestly at last you hear this like these things last a few seconds it can't be about their award I mean because listen like we're human beings that we always it's it's the worst part about us is and it, and it's good as well but we're always looking for the next thing. Mm. So whether we get this, like for me, I got a master's, I came home and I said, what about a doctorate? Yeah. I mean, like what? <laughs> yes. You know, like that's like, going to be the thing. Yeah. And I, and I guess people are about that in relationships. They have this love that they've supposedly had and they were the one. They break up and they suddenly are back in love. It's like, this is mind boggling. I mean, in a way, it shouldn't be this easy. We shouldn't always just be coming into the one, one after the other after the other. I mean, it might be a little bit questionable. Mm -hmm. I mean, the one for right now, but you hear this. It's like, this was, this is the person. And you hear this over and over. And I think it's very similar to um, degrees and awards, all this. It's like thinking that each one is it, is it, you know? And I think it just, if you can just say, I'm excited about, the person that I will become along the way as I'm in this, I think that's that's where you need to start. And I think that will reward you no matter what, if that is your perspective. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, when I got into the relationship that I am in now, we, we started um, dating about four years ago. We met on a very exclusive app named Tinder. Oh, <laughs> um, my God, I love it. Yeah. But um, that was some of the hardest times of my life, like just because then you have stuff come up because I think that if you are truly intimate with somebody, they have to know, you know, like, I mean, like um, mentally intimate with someone, they have to know everything about you and talking about that stuff, bringing it up again is hard. So like, I don't want, I think that there's this notion too, that like when we get into relationships, like one, we're going to be fixed and two, that it's going to be like rainbows and unicorns and sunshine all the time. So what do you think about that in terms of like relationships that are perfect, quote unquote, and that people never argue and wanting that as the ideal? I mean, I will say that, you know, the best experience, some of the best experiences of my life are going out with men and just talking about life and the things that are kind of a mess. So those are really some of the most enriching experiences for me. So if I felt like, if I felt like things, if I felt like I wasn't still trying to kind of pinpoint things or discover things, I would never have those conversations and therefore would never reach a level of closeness. And I don't think the men would stand out to me and I don't think I would stand out to them if I wasn't able to kind of be still in the process of a journey. In terms of like a perfect um, relationship where there's no issues and tension, I mean, I think that could probably cause a certain level of anxiety mm. over time because if you feel like you've never known that you could get through anything or there's nothing ever been, there's nothing, there hasn't been anything to get through, then I don't know if there'd be much confidence in, and I think that there'd probably be more anxiety around the moment when something does come up. And just realistically, there is going to be things. If you yes. have a family, you're going to witness your kids move through certain milestones or have certain um, breaking points. And so in a way, I think that it's it's really, like here's something that I saw with my ex-boyfriend that I'd, I'd never 
had in a relationship. One, I, w- I was visiting, you know, him. I met his kids. And there was this one night where, oh, I mean, it just, it's just silly, but I'll, I'll just be transparent about it. Mm-hmm. We're on his couch, and he was, like, working. And I was on my phone, and I think I was, like, going through pictures of um, his kids and I. And oh, I, and I was sending the pictures to my sister, and I was really raving about this experience for me, meeting mm. the kids for the first time, and just how like it took my breath away, and I hadn't expected that. And he looked over, and I kind of shielded my phone, mm-hmm. and because I was like a little bit, um, I don't know, I felt like I was like it was revealing so much. I don't, it's silly, I don't know why, but. I never thought at the time that his ex, the kid, the kid's mom or whatever, mm-hmm. had cheated on him, and that that really triggered the shielding of the phone. Really oh, triggered a lot of feelings. Yes. So he ended up being so strange. Ended up like dipping out for the night. We had never had anything like that, and I think I was like, I, I couldn't fall asleep, and I went out to his house, and he realized in the night that I was gone. He came and got me, and we ended up lying in bed and talking in the dark about it. That was an easier way for him to do it. And it was Mm. so powerful. One, because I saw that he was a type of person that would find me. Also, that like that he was someone that did want to go deeper about it. And it helped me so much to know what had what had like triggered or hurt him. And also for myself to not be so freaking childish. Yes. And if that moment had never happened, I mean, I look at that and those are the moments that like soften me mm. to him and to like to myself. Yes. And if I don't know, I mean, I don't know. I've just I've never been I've also never been someone that idolizes this whole like, you know, Prince Charming and and those relationships. And then I'm, I'm a little bit done just personally with with writing these things like my forever person or mm. I don't know, in a way I just want. I want things to just be um, more not like I don't want the stakes to be so high all the time. And and I think that that arguments will happen. I just think the best thing that you can do is to be someone that can immediately talk to the person that you're with about it and not having to kind of only go to your friends to speak about it. Yeah, that's my biggest thing for sure. And those moments, moments like that that you just described, are hard, but they really offer so much uh, growth. And you know, personally, like you said, like you just said, and in the relationship, um, and also with you, ju- with what you just said, there's a lot of talk right now about like you know monogamy not being uh, natural for humans. There's all of this stuff now about like open relationships. So I wonder, like, do you believe in monogamy and the concept of a soulmate? Ashley? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. So what were you saying? So I was saying um, there's a lot of talk right now about like open relationships and that humans are not meant to be monogamous. So I'm curious about what you think about monogamy in general and this whole concept of a soulmate? Well, if I'm a romantic in any sense, it's the monogamy part. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, I mean, on a personal level, I mean, obviously, you know, I have clients that, that don't see that for themselves or trying new things. And, you know, my way is not for everyone, but I'm someone that 
I don't know. I, I'm really um, like a traditionalist um, in senses, and I couldn't I couldn't imagine myself in an open relationship. And I think for me, that I feel more not only emotionally engaged, but like sexually engaged when I know that it's just about me and that other person. Mm -hmm. And I, I, and that is just, that's, that's the best mix for me. What do I think about soulmates? I mean, I define it a little bit differently. Like, you know, I kind of said it before, but that I think a soulmate is, I think that you have many in your lifetime and they're meant to kind of lead you into the person that's a life partner so what do I think about a life partner mm -hmm. I mean I hope it happens for me you know and when I was young I was really against divorces I never thought I'd be working with people that are going through divorces and you know originally a lot of my motivation as a breakup coach was you know people thought it was to, to tell everyone to be single forever and to be independent alone but it was really about helping people make uh, wiser choices now so that they choose very wisely and very realistically for marriage so there isn't as many divorces um but you know i've had to you know as i've gotten older and i don't know i don't know if i I don't know if I was really naive and wanting, for example, like my parents always to be together. Mm. You know, I don't, um, I don't know if that, if that was like a selfish thing. Um, all I can say though, is that I feel really fortunate at the end of the day that my family has chosen to be with each other. My mm -hmm. parents have chosen to be with each other because you know, life presents a lot of difficulties and I think that would be a huge strain on me. So in terms of like one life partner, I mean, I guess I'm just thinking about marriage and the choice that you make. And hopefully that there isn't huge betrayals that happen, that you find out people have separate lives. And, yes. you know, there's just things that you can't overcome in that sense, because I do think that that's just too like it's 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 very it can be very unforgiving and you don't want to put like this I, I mean I can imagine if that happened to me that I would end up you know 80 pounds again possibly mm -hmm. you know who knows because it could be so emotionally taxing so I don't think you want to like abuse yourself by staying in something that really is breaking your heart but if it's if it's in terms of these shifts and transitions I think learning how you could be there to see each other through it and you hear that marriage is work people say that for a reason I don't, i'm not sure understand what it means until you're actually in it mm -hmm. you know i mean and but I, I all i know is just that i'm so excited to be put to work in that way like at night now i never used to pray before but now i just say god please put me to work Yes. And if work becomes marriage and if work becomes learning how to be present for another child, I cannot tell you how thrilled and like emotional and just how if I've thought my life has been charged now and meaningful now, I have no idea what's to come and how that will that will just reward me and be like enriching and will also just you know, provide this material for my life that this wisdom. I think it's about not being fearful of the work, I suppose. Yes. You know? And, and I think that like that this goes on to another question that I was going to ask you, which is like, you know, I think that we can either, I think Brene Brown has a quote that says I can either be comfortable or I can be courageous. So 
I have fallen into that trap where I'm going to, where I've said to myself like, oh, it's just so much easier if things are comfortable, if I don't get out of my comfort zone, if I don't work, but then I actually end up kind of feeling like crap in the end. And yeah. I was reading, um, this advice column of mine, um, last night on my way home and it said one of the lines that I had written I mean sometimes you read back what you've written you're like who who is that person yes, but totally yeah but it said like um you know when things have happened in life if I've been like disappointed by a man or a friend or myself um you know I think that there's a choice between being crushed or courageous and I think that being crushed can be a really comfortable choice the world has me down once again yes. it's actually quite a comfortable place to be it doesn't yes. it doesn't require much out of us mm. but the choice to be courageous and just knowing that like that again accepting that that this is meant it, it wasn't meant to go any other way the emotions you're having right now are here for a reason and that the more courageous you can be the more available you are to others and the more available you'll be to your life because you're not afraid of of any any kind of consequence you you know that everything's testing really your character mm -hmm. for sure for sure and I think that it can be hard to you know have that mindset because I really think it's a mindset of it constantly it looking is. to reframing things and choosing to not be a victim because that victim mentality is easy. Like you're saying, it's easy to just let things crush you. It's more work to put a positive spin on things and to kind of have a sense of resiliency in all that resilience, you do. Yeah. And it's really not about, this is what I've learned after going through so many of these things and relationships and with myself. It's not really what happens to me that matters. I mean, we can't control people as much as we want to. We can't control our lives, our circumstances you know, shit can hit the fan at any moment, but it's really how we respond, uh, the mindset that we have and kind of like how the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves create our life. That's the biggest thing for me. When it comes to relationships too. I, I, I say it's the stories we tell ourselves. And for me as a, as a breakup coach, it really is helping people reframe things. And I think it goes back to me doing that my whole life with writing. It mm. was, it was instinctual to reframe things. And it's not about cutting out lies. It's just looking back on perspective and, and choosing the more meaningful kind of uh, through line. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I don't know. I just, I really, I really relate to that. I relate to it. And, and the thing is, I mean, it is totally mindset. And I, when in the several, several, several years where I was crushed, where there was no positivity in me, in me because I had no energy for it mm. is it wasn't, uh, the biggest gift that I got was my sister going to rehab and my whole family having to rile, like rally behind this new, this new reality and it was an opportunity because what you're taught in like you know group therapy and family therapy and all that was about um mindset and you know changing the way you you talk to yourself and the way you think and it was the first time you know I'd always read but I had it's so strange to me but I had never read self-development books mm. and that was an opportunity because I totally understand people that are crushed and therefore can't come up with better thoughts. Yeah. And what helped me at the time was like 
one, giving myself time and being really honest about how I had no energy for myself and just how bad things had gotten, but introducing new thoughts via books. I think it's the easiest way for you to, uh, to, to change the way you think is using other people's thoughts and guidance. Because I don't think that you can always really do it yourself. I think it's a big, it's a tall order to ask. If someone's crushed and depressed, to be like, here, start thinking, you know, looking at, start looking at it from this way. Well, they've got it into a pattern of thinking of it this way. And you can't ask for them to come up with that thought on their own. And I think books really, really help showing you that there's alternative ways of looking at not only the event, but really of, um, yourself in in life are there any specific books that you would recommend for people or any authors uh, if they not only want to get a better thought process but maybe specifically for breakups and love yeah I mean the one of the biggest books that I say that like I had started with that changed me so much on the time when I was so codependent was overcoming love addiction and it's Mm. about the love addict and the avoidant addict it's by uh it's by Mia Pelody but Overcoming Love Addiction. Another really great one is by uh, Barbara, Barbara DeAngelis. It's, it's called How Did I Get Here, which I love. Um, then there's like, remember early on, I mean, the Tony Robbins books and getting yes. those CDs, and that was kind of pumping me up in a different way. You know, I think that there's, for me, there's, there's um, what is this other woman's name? I'm trying to, um, uh, I know I have someone. Tom, uh, Tama Keys. Okay. She has so many good books. Um, and you know, there's like this, there's a poetic side that I love listening to about life and kind of like the revelations. And then there's, you know, someone more like Tony Robbins where there's more of kind of this excitement. There's this adrenaline Mm -hmm. to the thoughts. It's a different energy. Yeah. So those are, I don't know, those, those are at least sort of or three or four that I love. That's a great starting point. And you are an amazing writer. I've been following you for a long time and your writing is just beautiful. So I'm curious about your own intuition with writing and the process of creativity. And if you feel resistance towards writing. Resistance. I mean, for a long time, And, you know, I think the resistance is just starting and, Mm -hmm. you know, well, one, I mean, just quickly, I can tell you is the worst thing that I ever did for myself in terms of writing was I became addicted to Adderall for eight years and it went from five milligrams to 90 milligrams. Mm. And I thought that in order to get published, I had to be on this stuff. And I felt like a deep sense of shame that maybe none of it was really mine. And Mm. it wasn't until like, um, I stopped and then five days later, I finally submitted my writing. And ever since then, I, I just didn't stop and I never went back to it. And I felt so proud of finally overcoming that form of resistance of, of really just stopping. There, there became a, a divide in my life. It started out as writing was therapeutic and there wasn't a judgment about me as a writer. Then there became me as a writer because I'm being recognized as a writer and having to write for writers and be super intelligent or something. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, for me, I always identified more with just being insightful. So that was a big form of overcoming that resistance. And um, I think it's just is about 
really having so much more clarity about my own thoughts. I try to really write like I, I think, or I try to listen to the thoughts that I have in my head. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just really, I'm, I'm proud to be like in a place where it's not so much about, uh, the performance of writing as it is just about, um, I, I remember a mentor told me at my master's program, she knew I was really struggling. I was also taking Adderall at that time. And she told me, she was just like, right. She's like, you, you can't stop writing Chelsea. When you leave this program, do not stop. I think that she saw that there was, there was a possibility I could just end it and not my life, but writing. Yes. And she said, just write. If you have to write at the top of your thing, dear boyfriend, like whatever boyfriend it is at the time, just do that. I didn't do that at first, but when my advice column came out, I found out, like, I realized later, I was like, wow, that happened. It became Dear Whoever Was Writing Me. And that, beyond just the the writing that I was doing for other publications, that advice column, I will say, is where the most kind of another force came out of me. And it was really of having reach out to me and wanting so badly and knowing that I was finally at a place where I could respond with help, that I could reach back out with help. And so having someone that that I'm writing to, that in a way I'm writing for, mm. um, it just brings out a real strength. It, and it, I think it is a different realm of knowing. I think I just, I, I get lost in it and I go a lot further. I, I connect things for myself. And what role would you say that your own intuition um, and kind of like, because I know that, you know, I love to write as well, but I find that like my best writing comes from a place where like I have no idea where it comes from. It's not necessarily me. It's like me being plugged in and then stuff just flowing out as opposed to sitting at the computer and like forcing myself and, um, you know, trying to to write some things that might not feel natural so i'm wondering how your own intuition plays into your writing yeah i mean i think the hardest thing was just having having a real resistance to feeling like things are forced one knowing that that's how people do talk about work and i I might not have the luxury of everything always feeling like it flows but also really wanting to honor the times where it doesn't feel like I'm trying so hard Mm -hmm. and that and therefore that it's just wherever I am naturally so I mean I'm not someone that writes with any sort of brainstorm I don't have like bullet points it really is a process for a while and this wasn't always good but it was really dependent upon my mood. So how I start something is really where it goes. If I started it with a different sentence or feeling a different way, the results would be t- entirely different. And and so that's kind of what's exciting. I look back and I'm like, oh my God, that's where I was in that moment. But I do think that I I become, you know, like in a trance. Totally. Yes, totally. Totally in a trance. And I think it's it really has been... I think conversations make me feel alive. Mm. You know, they, they bring out, like, they have an, I'm energetic because of them. But writing makes me appreciate every single moment. I go over things so much more slowly, things that I, you know, I might have rushed by. I give, I just give so much more importance. And, 
in a really honest way the things that you wouldn't be able to do if you weren't looking back. And I think that um, I think that it's it's just the best place to find yourself when you're in the midst of writing. I mean, you're almost you know you're like untouchable. And I also say though that now like. When I'm like bawling in the middle of writing, like I know that I've done well. Like yes. if I can get there, if I can get to that, then I'm like, all right, this is, uh, I, I've gone further than I've gone in, in, in the past. I've written a lot now, but if I can get to the point of that, um, that's like a real moment for me. Yeah. And I think, you know, writing doesn't have to be this fancy thing where you, um, you know, have to get published necessarily, even just journaling where you have a practice that's just yours, that nobody ever sees these writings. Sometimes we don't even know what we think or what's going on until we write them down. I really picture some of my yes. thoughts sometimes just kind of like swimming in my head. And I might not have a grasp on what I'm thinking or what's going on. But really, when I write them down, it's kind of like energetically getting them out of my head, seeing what's going on, and then sometimes really not believing the thoughts that are coming out of my head. If yeah, it's I mean, like I a think, bad day or something. You yeah. Know? I think that like, you know, you only, you only know what you know until like you've written it. Yeah. Really. If you discover what it is that you know, and, and with that, it's, it goes back to like, kind of like the, the sense of worthiness and, of the, I think there's so much power in seeing your own thoughts, the own your own connections, the meaning that you can give the, the yeah, just the wisdom. I think that it's a very powerful thing because it only is coming from you. And you know, I always say her name wrong, but Anise Nen. I mean, she's someone that oh, yes. changed. She changed my life. I mean, with my eating disorder, I found her. I walked out of a bookstore, I mean, out of the library at NYU, and someone sold me her book, a vendor. They really encouraged me, and reading her journals changed my life. I've always had a hard time just having journals that no one reads. It's kind of bad, but I will say that just knowing that I was like publishing, even if people, I guess, didn't know where it was on the internet, that really helps me, and I'm so happy that I have a a history of who I've been, but also how I've always been for me, the same person. That's yes. been so important to me that just personally knowing that, again, like I haven't tried to recreate who I am. I was never interested in moving somewhere and becoming a new person. I'm not a chameleon. And seeing that there's been a, the same thread, the same questions in my life shocks me, but it also gives me a lot of reassurance that I'm doing exactly what I've always wanted to do and becoming the person that I always intended on getting closer to being. Mm, that's beautiful. And now you are, like we said at the beginning and throughout the episode, you're a breakup coach and you're really a personal brand now. And the same thing with me. And I, it was very hard for me at the beginning to kind of like have the courage to put myself out there, to see my face all over like my Instagram page and my website. Um, so I'm just curious how that whole process has been for you. Wow. Uh, I think, I think again, it's been like a lot of things that we've said. It's, it's been a wanting to perfect it before it happens, mm -hmm. wanting to ready myself, wanting yes. to become better. And you know, now it's just, is that 
I think for me, a lot in life is you get tired of, of, of waiting for yourself, waiting on yes. yourself. So, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that like in terms of a personal brand, I, I always saw it for myself, even when I didn't have like that terminology. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that there was a jump though, in terms of, of just, I think, I think there has to be just kind of a leap that says what I am now is enough. Yes. to get started. Yes. And I listen, I mean, I hired my first person to do work with for me and that's launched me, but it's also kind of reminded me of how badly I just want to create my own thing. I don't know. It, it reminds me of that. Like I started this because I had a vision. I don't work for other people because I have a vision and I have like a voice and it's, it's the only way that it's worked for me. I mean, I've gotten turned down from jobs after jobs after jobs for a reason and just, you know, just my whole history. And then you hire people that kind of, you know, want to be your manager. Mm-hmm. And you're like, like I, I've had this vision up until this point, this is me. And I think until you see what you're willing to kind of stand for and fight for in the business realm of your brand, do you realize like how seriously you take yourself and how seriously you take yourself, not just as a person, but as someone that's delivering, not even just a service, but, but for me, it's like, you know, I felt like at the time that I was taking the world from like none to one. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's really not breakup coaches. Yeah. So, and you're giving value. Yeah. That's yeah. what you're doing. You're you're really it's it's you know we are rewarded based on the value that we give. And it's such a good uh metaphor what you just said in terms of like being, you know, doing things when you do not feel ready because there is not a point in life like we've been saying that you arrive or you are fixed yeah. or whatever. It's like being maybe being fearful and just doing it anyway. And then I think it really has to do with self-trust, knowing that you can handle whatever comes at you and be resilient. Uh, But again, that goes back to the mindset as well. Yeah. I mean, if I had waited until I was like a published writer to write any of my, in, in the, in the heyday of life journal, I never, I mean, I would have missed out on so much material and and understanding and just develop like really becoming it would have missed out on a lot of my story too that's Mm -hmm. so important to me and I think that like for example like with the podcast I mean I was so I've been so intimidated by all the technicalities or wanting a larger following or wanting this and that and I've robbed myself of of one conversations that I could be having and two of just like um actually getting started so it can actually go somewhere and I can um and I think that like, you know, my whole life has been showing where I started and maybe business should just, I should just allow it to be the same way instead mm. of looking like, you know, instead of idolizing Kim Kardashian's beauty line and wanting mine to look like that, yep. maybe I should just start where I am exactly. and just see it evolve, you know? Yes. It's such a, you know, it's such a parallel to so many other things, just being comfortable with where you are, trusting that you're on the right path. Um, but I really think this way of working is extremely empowering to know that you can take care of yourself and that you can really create your own life actively, that you don't have to perhaps settle for something that doesn't feel right in your life. And that goes with everything. Yeah, I mean, and I think that like, I think that, you know, maybe there are people that can and there's just not, there's not 
tension surrounding it. Mm -hmm. But I think that if, you know, then there's other people that it feels like a real betrayal, just even of like the life that they've been given to, to not do what they feel like they must do to not listen to a voice that, that, you know, keeps nagging at them. Mm -hmm. And I think you've got to, I've, I think you have to give yourself a, a chance. And I think that you, you know, truly the worst thing would, would be the worst thing is what if, or if only, and I think it's better to know that you were brave enough to, to gamble on yourself than having looked and been like, I just didn't believe in myself just a little bit more to Mm. see what would have happened. Yes, absolutely. So a question that I ask everybody as we're ending the podcast is what your last meal would be on earth. Oh God. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, Oh my God. It could be multi-course if, you know, if, you know, some people can't choose. So yeah, well, I'll tell you like, there'll be a few like snacks. I love like mint chip ice cream. Mm. I love, um, hot, hot cheeses, hot and spicy cheeses. Um, Pulled pork sliders oh, yum. would be good. Um, I really like spicy things. That all sounds um, delicious. Yeah, so... Uh, and a nice variety, too. And maybe like a gin and tonic. Oh, I love that. Or, yeah, or a glass of Malbec. <laughs> um, so we've been talking about a lot of things, and this is kind of a loaded question, but if you could kind of sum up the greatest piece of advice that you've ever been given that's had kind of like the greatest ROI for you, the greatest return on investment, what would that be? Oh God, other someone else's advice. Um, or the greatest lesson that you've learned, you know, after having been through um, what you have and coming out on the other side. Um, I'm trying to think. I think like you know do now what's in your heart Mm. you know yeah that's enough I mean that is a really simple phrase but there's so much involved there yeah because it can be about like in your heart it means that you have to let go yes you know which is hard yeah. yeah it's not always the easy thing Yeah, I think it's just, I think it's listening to, you know, less voices and probably hearing the voice that is most persistent in yourself. And, you know, I I don't like this line, but my dad has said it my whole life. I never really understood what it meant. But, you know, he always says, like, when in doubt, fire out. It's like a football Mm, term. So I guess it means just to, to go for it, Yeah, you know, and be fearless. And I think that things that have set me back in life, Though it's also, you know, delivered me a lot of it's it's who I am, so I can't be regretful of it. Mm-hmm. But there was there was a lot of um, just being, you know, in one place, like stuck. Yeah. Not, and I think that everything in life, why people are afraid of like breakups or anything, is that is things will stop, they'll lose their momentum. And I think if you can keep momentum, whether it's in conversations with yourself, it's why people say to keep going to the gym, anything, keeping momentum in life is how you feel like you're in your life. And it's how you feel like you're having an active role. And then it's really, you have this trust that you're taking it somewhere. 
So exactly. I'd say that too. Yeah. And it's really like action is underrated. I think like I can have so much anxiety just thinking about stuff, but that moment that I choose to beat that resistance and to just kind of act propels me and gives me that momentum to just do a bunch of other stuff. So I really want to encourage people to, to just take mm-hmm. action in all areas of your life, whether you feel ready or not. Um, Absolutely. So tell people how they can work with you and what you have going on and where they can find you online. Okay. So my coaching website is breakupward.com, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D. And I do, you know, one-on-one coaching, like one sessions, but it also ranges to packages. So there's a variety. I also, because of my advice column, a lot of people just like to receive, um, you know, e-coaching. So they write in their situation Mm -hmm. and, um, I respond to them with words and it's a different, it's a different experience. So it really does work better for some people. And then sometimes out of that, they end up going into a call. But, uh, so that's like how you can work with me. And then my podcast is launching. Thank you. Heartbreak. And people call in, um, looking for coaching and advice. I also do interviews with people that, you know, thank you, heartbreak, that, that one, want to talk about their experience with a breakup, but also people that are at certain places in their life and realize they never would have gotten there had they not broken up with someone or been broken up with. Mm-hmm. And um, my Instagram is thank you, heartbreak. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm so grateful that you were open to coming on and talking about everything that you did. Absolutely. I loved listening to you the other day in New York. I was just floating around. I was like, oh, she has this voice. I was like, my voice isn't like that. Yeah, I was like, it's so soothing. Oh, thank you. I mean, the best thing in the world is when you can just find someone that you're listening to and it just it creates this flow at New York City it was such a it was an amazing experience I just oh, thank I was you. so happy for you oh thank you that really does yeah. mean the world to me and a lot of people yeah, have no. told me like you should be a meditation teacher oh my god <laughs> or yoga yeah. teacher or something but sure. make sure you reach out to Chelsea if you guys have any questions about uh, working with her or about breakups and thanks again Chelsea it was a pleasure thank you thank you so much Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.